Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. On this bonus series of Gray Matter, we're going to examine what makes a great idea. Hi, I'm John Petrolos, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray. We're going to take a closer look at some of the ideas we featured on this podcast through the lens of the creative criteria we use at Gray. The creative criteria is our simple way of looking at and interrogating an idea to make sure you've got a great one. We boil it down to four components that will reveal themselves in the series, and we're going to focus on one for each episode. This week, we're going to talk about a topic that sounds easy, but is actually incredibly hard, and that's simplicity, which we define as an idea you can say in a sentence, because if you can't, you probably haven't interrogated it enough. These are ideas like the ones we featured on the podcast, like yoga for people who don't like yoga, how to keep black drivers safe during a traffic stop, or a platform to give voice to storytellers from around the world. When an idea can be simply stated, people should instantly know if that idea excites them. Sometimes the strength of an idea's simplicity comes from the scale of the problem it solves. For Greg Marsh, the problem was simple. Make the locksmith industry better. And he did just that by creating Kimi. Early on in season two of Gray Matter, we chatted with Greg about the early days of Kimi. And today we'll catch up with him and hear how he and his team have been doing over the past year. Our lead podcast producer, Joey Scarillo, chatted with Greg about his leadership, his methods, and his key to finding simplicity in his work. Here is Greg Marsh. Greg, welcome back. It's great to have you. Thank you. Uh, the question we uh, we must start with, I suppose, is uh, how have you been? <laughs> uh, I am doing well. This uh, this year has definitely taken a couple of years off my life in, in stress, but we're... Um, Doing well personally, doing well uh, at Kimi. Um, it's been super exciting to see how our teams you know, reacted to adversity and challenge, and um, we're actually on on track to have a really good year, despite you know lots of lots of monkey wrenches being thrown at us. So, of course, of course. So today we're talking broadly about simplicity, and what we love so much about Kimi is that it's a simple idea. You know, you wanted to change the locksmith industry. And uh, when we spoke to you on the podcast, we talked a lot about that and the idea behind Kimi. But now we just want to ask you how that simplicity finds its way into the workflow at Kimi. So it's kind of interesting. As our business has become more complex and bigger, you know, bigger teams and the scope of our services has expanded, the importance, I think, of having real simple goals that everyone in the organization is aware of and aware of how their individual efforts contribute to, the importance of that continues to grow. And we've actually, um, we have a, it's like an OKR goal setting framework, the company level OKRs of which, you know, individual teams goals kind of feed into, those actually continue to get more and more simplified over time. And I, I think it's been super important for us to just reach cohesiveness 
across the entire team where if you asked anyone on the team, you know, what are the top most important things, they would say, you know, th those things consistently about what's most important. And that's, that's critical for us to make sure that as more and more people have autonomy and are making different decisions, they're focused on the right stuff. You know, they're calibrating correctly in a way that's going to make the organization successful. So um, as our business become more complex, the, the simplicity of what's important and, and how we prioritize, I think, has also become a bigger deal for us and for me as a CEO to make sure I'm doing a good job of. In your journey as the CEO, how has some of that simplicity factored into your leadership? And what have you learned in the time from when you first had the idea to where you and the company are now? I mean, when I was a less mature leader early on in the company's history, I was often tempted by alluring initiatives or objects that, you know, could have some value, but, but were also distractions and, and you have to be so disciplined and focused on saying, all right, here's a real small list of things that are super important for this organization to be successful. And we're going to hit these incredibly hard and anything that's not on this list, we're going to ignore. And so I, I think my ability to uh, get better at that over time as, as the team has increased and, you know, as I'm no longer directly influencing as much, but our leaders are and, you know, other people on their teams, you have to be on the same page and people have to be focused on that same set of small initiatives. And, um, and so you just, you have to have, there's a bunch of different frameworks and, and ways that people try to create that cohesiveness. But for me, I certainly have reduced the number of things that I care about over time, even as the business has become much bigger and more complex. And I think that's really important for any, I don't know, organization of scale to be successful is to have a super, super small set of things that everyone in the company is aware of and is driving towards. I love that. Go hard at fewer things rather than going wide at a lot of things. There's a lot to take from that. Even in, you know, what I do, you know, uh, there are a ton of projects that we want to accomplish, but, you know, we should focus on the important ones and just do those ones really, really well. Um, you know, obviously, obviously this whole pandemic has been crazy for everyone. How has Kimi adapted? Are there any changes to the product? Any changes as a result of 2020 or did you find yourself just like leaning in more to the things you were doing in 2019 and just trying to make those things stronger? So uh, it's, it's been a crazy year. We, so part of our business is in brick and mortar retail, which has obviously experienced, um, you know, an environment that, that hasn't been seen before. Some helpful, some not helpful. So, uh, you know, kind of March and April when social distancing and remote work was really starting to take effect across the nation. Retail foot traffic dropped massively and that, that harmed us. We since have seen a, a really substantial rebound, which has been terrific. We've also seen um, a desire for people to interact with a self-service kiosk instead of, you know, a human key maker, which has also benefited us a lot. And people are, um, are seeing a, a migration, um, within the industry towards, towards our products, which is super beneficial as well. So uh, net net, this has been a really good year for us, but you know, moving the company remote in a very short period of time, we're a very like 
hardware centric and operations intensive organization, doing that rapidly uh, was a major challenge. Figuring out how to work effectively remote, keep productivity up, keep morale up, making sure we're all focused on the right stuff while not being, you know, in the same space has been a huge challenge. Um, I'd say we've we've the the prioritization for the organization and, and product um, focus has definitely been influenced, but I, I don't think our core mission or, or vision has changed at all due to COVID. And in fact, like in many ways, I think our, our vision has been reinforced in that um, convenience matters more now than it ever did before. We're seeing a lot of consumers consolidate brick and mortar trips. And if we can help them in a convenient retail location, instead of having them you know, have to go to a, a second store, we're seeing a lot of desire for customers to do that. Um, so we're, I, I would say, f- focus, if anything, has been uh, driven into all of us as to, you know, how to make sure as we're remote, precious resources are um, uh, are really necessary to make sure we're doing the right things. Like, how do we how do we make sure we have that short list of priorities that are going to make uh, our organization successful? But I'm I'm super proud of how the teams handled this year. It's been a crazy year and in adversity. And it's when you really see what stripes of team members and your character looks like. And, and, um, yeah, this has been one of the most proudest moments of me as a, as a CEO of the organization to see how we've handled it. That's great. Great. Have there been any specific instances where you've seen people or teams stepping out of their comfort zone and doing things that they've never done before? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, Every team has has faced that in some ways, right? So uh, people who work with hardware, we've had to design different versions of our hardware that people, we actually are shipping to people, engineers' homes so they can code and put things on the hardware and test it. Um, people who used to have um, an important part of their job function be sitting next to someone and talking, like we need to figure out how to maintain that collaboration and good communication while being remote. Um, so that every team has faced, I think, different ways of operating. Then, um, you know, on, on top of all the you know, professional changes, like there's a ton of stuff going on personally with with a lot of people in the company, right? You've got obviously childcare and people working at home, some in tiny apartments. You've got people who have family members who have passed or having, you know, major health issues. And like, so... When you combine all that, it's been a super stressful year, I think, on on everyone in the company. And um, I, I think like the the work ethic and people kind of expanding their, you know, their responsibilities to jump into gaps that are created by all these new things thrown our way um, has allowed us to navigate this year incredibly well. And, and I think we're, you know, we're positioned probably better for 2021 than, than we would have been absent a lot of these challenges, which is kind of a crazy thing to say. Yeah, right. Weird. It's almost as if the pandemic has forced us into a shared experience and sort of created a camaraderie and a sense of teamwork that might not have been there otherwise. At least early on, it felt that way. It's strange too, while we're all isolated, we're all having the same sort of shared work experience. So as a leader of a company, when you think about this time in hindsight, what does it look like for you? It might be hard to say while you're still in it, 
but what does it mean for the grand scheme of Kimi? I think COVID and 2020, some companies, their whole business has been changed because, you know, like a gym, for example, like it's just people are not going physically into gyms like they used to. And that, that, that sucks. Like that's a fundamental shift that they're going to have to adapt with. For many other companies, so like, I don't know, I, I look at it, some percentage of companies, call it 10%, are benefiting from this environment, right? If you sell cleaning products or something like that, like this is just, you know, a, a great time for you. 10% like a gym or, you know, hospitality or something are just getting annihilated. Then there's this huge bulk in between who are not impacted as distinctly, positively or negatively, but certainly have, you know, both challenges and opportunities. And I think for that bulk of the curve, a time like this, an environment like this, you know, it doesn't necessarily change things so much as accelerate changes, right? So like retailers that were struggling pre-COVID are now struggling even more. Retailers that were doing well, you know, like a, a Target, are doing even more well. And I think that's true of, of companies as well. Like if, if you have a strong culture, a strong team, there's opportunities that come out of an environment like this. And if you have a weak culture and a weak team and you can't deal with a lot of the, you know, changes and variability, then like, you know, you're, you're probably going to get disproportionately harmed. So um, ultimately any organization, when you look at the most fundamental letter level, its success is going to be driven by, by people and culture. And like, I, um, I think that we, been super fortunate to have those people in culture that has all these new ways of operating and changes to how consumers are are interacting with Kimi have emerged. We've been able to digest that and turn those into positives and in many ways are coming out of this much stronger, not only as a team, but as, as a business and how we can help, you know, millions of customers. So that's awesome. Yeah. I just wanted to quickly ask, how have things been for you since you were on Gray Matter last season? You know, we recorded that in late 2019. And how have things shifted for you and the company as a result of being on the podcast, you know, after the episode was released? Uh, it's been it's been great. I mean, um, we we are actually using your Gray Matter uh, podcast as part of our, our onboarding now, which is awesome. Like, I think, um, yeah, this long form format, like I, I think was super valuable to, um, talk about what we're all about Akimi and culture. And you guys asked me like some really tough questions that I think go to the DNA of how I envision how we want to operate and what it means to be on our team. And so we're, um, when you join Kimi now, like one of the onboarding steps is to listen to the, to the gray matter, uh, podcast <laughs> from, um, from last year. So, uh, you know, it's, it's been great. And, um, you know, the business as a whole, we've grown considerably since I think nine or 12 months ago when we, when we connected, um, we're up to 4,000 plus locations and on our way to 10,000. And so the business is super healthy and, you know, despite a crazy year, we're still, we're still on a very, very rapid pace of growth. And we believe that we're on track to, you know, become the dominant, brand and player in the, in the $12 billion a year locksmith industry. So that's great. That's really, really awesome. Yeah. When I heard about the onboarding, I was uh, pleasantly surprised 
and the team here were, were quite honored to be honest. So thank you. Um, that's great. So just to wrap it up, what is the Greg Marsh view on simplicity and what does it mean for you as a leader? I mean, I'm, I'm all about goals and prioritization. And so simplicity to me is how can you have distill down what is going to make your organization successful and what you need to focus on in such a simple, understandable way that, you know, when you have hundreds of people working on various elements of that, they're all rowing in the same direction. They all can say the consistent messages about what's important. And they're, as they're making individual decisions about how to prioritize, what actively not to do, how to think about, you know, who to hire or how to think about a product decision or, you know, a sales decision they're using the same cultural principles and the same goals there. And so like that, that is an evolving challenge for us, but I think that's probably one of the single most important things for me to do as CEO is to, to create that direction out of that simplicity. I think it's impossible to do effectively if it's not simple. Like if, if, um, if you've got a long, too long of a list, or it's it's the, even the words you're using to discuss the direction of the company or the goals are not the right words and and not digestible, then like it's just not going to get um, it's not going to enter people's daily mindset in the way that you need to really have every decision be reinforcing the same same vision. So. Simplicity is super important. And, and what I just described is incredibly hard. Like we're every day struggling to get better at that. And as the organization becomes more complex and more, you know, uh, scope increases, like it both becomes more difficult and more important to get right. Yeah. Simple, simple is hard. Simple is hard. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm so glad we got to catch up with you and we're just looking forward to whatever comes next, you know? Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate you uh, having me on again, and um, thank you for uh, for the interview last year and allowing us to, to leverage that for our onboarding materials. And now uh, you guys do a great, great job. So excited to be a part of it. Of course, thank you, thank you again. Thanks, Joey. I love how Greg said simplicity is doing few tasks very well. You know, for me, when an idea is articulated simply, I feel like I can immediately understand its impact. Next time, we'll talk about how best to bring that simple idea to life in the best way possible. Be sure to check out the first two seasons of Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas. All episodes are available now. If you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please write to us at podcast@gray.com. And thanks for listening to Gray Matter. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petrulis, produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin with support from post producer Ned Martin. Additional support by Christina Hyde, John Jenkinson, Grace McDougall, and Ryan Cunningham. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com. <laughs>